when you engage with a product, you fundamentally want it to solve a job in your life. So you're hiring this product to do a job for you. And I think like that's the principle that we kind of apply to designing digital products. It needs to be solving a really like fundamental customer need. you've reached hotline design podcast how may we help you and welcome back to hotline design podcast this week strap in for a lovely literary ride we're talking all about the book from intercom jobs to be done this book features a number of stellar ux essays so we'll be discussing our faves and going through their frameworks and unpacking how we can use all of them in our day-to-day But before we dive into this literary lagoon, ladies, I have to know, how have your weeks been? I love this literary lagoon. Come take a dip. Yeah, we will. We will. Don't you worry. (laughs) Regarding my week, it's been quite a busy one. I have no idea when this is coming out, but whilst recording this, we have just passed Jubilee weekend. So that was a great four-day weekend, and... Uh, We had kind of a lot of activities planned. We went for a bike ride in a park. Uh, We went for a trip to the beach, um, walks, and we ended it all with a Sunday roast because I do love a Sunday roast. So yeah, it's it's been a really great week and things at work are kicking off. I would say, I don't know. I feel like kicking off is a violent thing when people have fights. That's not what I meant. It's just like, yeah. Things are happening at work and it's been quite intense. So I'm really tired. <laughs> Stakeholders about to catch these hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they won't. No, they won't. No. Please don't She's fight me. She's a client me. facing professional. I am, I am. Please don't fight me <laughs> remotely. But yeah, that was me. How's, how's your week been? Actually quite different because I think my Jubilee weekend wasn't that eventful. My dad is like, have you done anything to celebrate the Jubilee weekend? Like go to street parties? And I was like, no, I don't even know what's going on. So I think I mostly just chilled. Me and my partner watched the zombie film. We met up with some family, which is nice. So yeah, I mean, I think I spend a lot of time sleeping and feeling like 30 years younger. (laughs) I think that's what uh, Lauren said to me last year when I had COVID and I slept a lot. And she was like, hey, like you look a lot younger. And I was like, my weekend was quite similar in that regard. And work-wise, it's been, it's been great, actually. I think I've been doing some research, speaking to customers, and now I'm just trying to bring it all together to get insights and also kind of like come up with opportunities that my team can dig a little bit more into. So a lot of this stuff is quite new for me. I've been reading a lot of um, this book called Continuous Discovery Habits, just to understand how to structure our opportunities uh, and make sure that we're targeting the right ones before we move into ideation. I love it. Maybe we can have another another book-related episode soon. Definitely. I think I've read that thing about 15 times now. I like read it every morning on the way to work, so I'm a bit like obsessive in that sense, but happy to chat about it. The sacred texts. <laughs> um, you said that's amazing. I love to hear that you're all rested up and basically the queen is getting older so you can stay younger. <laughs> We love to see that. That makes me sound like Edward Cullen or something, you know, like I'm literally feeding off. Fair. I'll take that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of Her Majesty, I I love the Queen because I think she's like a gerontological icon. 
Um, and as someone that studied that, I'm like, yes, CEO, girl boss, like the ultimate. And I was going to go support Lizzie uh, in person and go down to like the, the mall, I think it's called, and like cheer her on and the trooping of the colors and all that. Uh, but then I heard about Columbia Road, uh, where the Columbia Road flower market is. They were actually having their own celebrations that featured a corgi parade followed by a corgi coronation. So I was like, the queen who? Oh 70 gosh. years, like, what's that? And so I skipped out to, to go see some corgis get coronated. And what's great is that the flight path went right over Columbia Road. So like the, the highlight of the aviation moments was when all these planes in the formation of a 70 went over the road. Like it took my breath away along with the little corgis. That sounds like oh, the most the awesome jubilee. Yeah, it was, it was very wholesome. Aww. This is the level of wholesomeness I aspire to every weekend, and it was finally achieved. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Hamaj, for our four-day weekend. <laughs> you cannot by, the, by the way, <laughs> um, have you heard people saying platy jubes? It's such a horrible phrase. Like, yeah. ironically. What? No, but have you heard platy tubes as the new Elizabeth line? Oh, that's a good Basically one. for... Our listeners at home, especially our, our listeners abroad and outside of the UK. And also people me. People were shortening. And also <laughs> Lavinia at home <laughs> in Manchester. Basically, people were calling, they were shortening the Platinum Jubilee to like platy jubes. And then because the Elizabeth line oh. has opened on the tube, they're calling it the platy tubes. Sounds. It just, no, that is the most like British really thing. I love it. It's sounds... like Australian thing to like shorten things like that. I don't know if I completely get on board with that. But that is there is it a euphemism for something as well? Because it sounds... No, but it sounds filthy. It sounds filthy, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it sounds like it, like, belongs in, like, 1850s Thames. <laughs> like, just gross. Even current day Thames, to be, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. But speaking of something that is equally as wholesome as the Corgi Coronation... We've got uh, this week's book called Jobs to be Done. So Lavinia will be kicking things off with a quick synopsis of the book. I don't feel like anything can be as wholesome as Corgi Coronations, but we'll try our oh, best. We're going to try. We're going to try our best. And also, I almost feel like I'm uh, facilitating, facilitating a workshop because I'm going to be like, Right, so for the structure of this episode, it might be a little bit different. Because <laughs> yeah. it might be a little bit Set different. Set expectations. Yeah. So last week, we've uh, talked all about the book Design Your Life, and Yusin has kind of like answered all of our questions. So this week, I'm the one bringing a book to the table. I was supposed to read the actual book, but I left it last minute. So I... Yeah, I turned up with Jobs to be Done by Intercom, which I'm sure was equally as great because it made loads of references to the original text. So yeah, the the book is obviously written from the perspective of people working at Intercom. So it's all about how they take the Jobs to be Done framework and they apply it in their day-to-day -day work. In terms of some kind of snippets of what you can expect if you're going to pick it up, side note, it's available for free online on their website. So what's inside? 
There's things like how to get customers to switch to your product, which can be quite difficult. Understanding who kind of like your product's real competitors are rather than what category you might be falling in and you think they're your competitors. Probably the most relevant bit for us is kind of designing features using jobs to be done. And there's also a whole chapter or essay written by one of the user researchers at Intercom and how they use job to be done to conduct research. And then there's also a little bit about how to interview customers, which falls into the same bracket and identify their exact jobs to be done. But yeah, that's a little bit about the book. Nice. Thank you so much for that summary of the jobs to be done book. It sounds like it covers quite a lot of ground. And maybe this is almost like a silly question, but I've heard this phrase a lot. What exactly are jobs to be done? Yeah, so before I actually dived into the topic myself, I it was exactly the same. Like I, I heard about jobs to be done a lot. Uh, I've even tried to use them uh, on projects from time to time and kind of try to put together an understanding from different medium articles and things like that. But happily, it's quite self-explanatory and probably kind of exactly what you think. So it's a tool that allows teams from across an organization to focus on the job a customer needs to achieve. So instead of, let's say, thinking about personas, which often when people talk about jobs to be done, they tend to kind of not necessarily look down on personas, but not see them as useful as maybe the rest of the industry who isn't using jobs to be done are seeing them. Instead of thinking of like, oh, uh, Houston and Lauren are 20-somethings living in London who like to eat lunch at so-and-so, they're just kind of like, okay, Houston and Lauren have a job every lunchtime, need to find something in a half a mile radius that they can enjoy every lunchtime. So they kind of take away any demographic things and put your actual job at the core rather than personal characteristics, demographics, wishes, or anything else. What I personally enjoy every lunchtime is your company. Oh, thank you. We don't have that anymore, unfortunately, since we none, none of us work for the same company anymore. But Gonna see? have to put in a call. Yeah, the job now is to get together. <laughs> awesome and so why are the principles in jobs to be done great to use in your day-to-day UX work in the introduction of the book one of the authors and probably the main one uh, this trainer says that technologies are drawn to new trends like moth to flames and just dissecting that quote it basically means that we often uncover new technologies and we are so like happy to use them but we haven't actually found the problem that the technology solves so we just kind of create products that nobody really wants or needs we're just like oh this web3 thing sounds cool we're just gonna create random nfts and they're gonna be a craze for a bit and then everyone's gonna forget about them i'm really sorry for any nft enthusiasts but we do we do feel like we're not at the kind of peak of use anymore so yeah instead of kind of taking a technology and being like what can we do with it we look at customers their goals what they need to do day to day 
I'll say another example, if you remember from the archives of recent internet, is Clubhouse. <laughs> if you remember it, it's it's young enough for us to have talked about it on the podcast, if you can imagine that. And mm. somehow it's already gone. Now, obviously, no one else but me says this, but it's because it didn't really solve a problem. I guess maybe yeah. it sounds like Clubhouse did solve a pressing need or basically like it was the solution for a job that people had like at the time when people were, you know, maybe in search of like good conversations online and when we couldn't physically meet in person. But I feel like that need or that job to be done has almost fizzled away after the pandemic. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's like a Peloton boy kind of, you know, the thing of like, was super great yeah when we we're all cooped up and now it's like i can go out to talk to people i can go out to cycle and work out go to the gym so yeah i think you you both have a good point maybe i was a bit too harsh in saying that it wasn't solving any problems or no one had the job to to well, join a random perhaps yeah not solving contemporary problems modern day problems yeah it might have solved problems of a hopefully bygone era. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Monkeypox, yeah. stay where you are. But yeah, that's like to get back to your questions uh, on why jobs to be done are great to use. I think the kind of summary is that it allows us to dive deeper into customer problems and solve for the more important things, things that they actually told us they, they want or, or need. I actually have something to add because I think a long time ago I did read this like Harvard Business Review article about jobs to be done and I can't remember the specifics. Also, I'm just frantically trying to look for it now. But I think they had a really good example about how when you engage with a product, you fundamentally want it to solve a job in your life. So you're hiring this product to do a job for you. And I think like that's the principle that we kind of apply to designing digital products it needs to be solving a really like fundamental customer need like you said Lavinia you know Clubhouse maybe was once upon a time maybe not so much now and I think the example they gave there was kind of of a and I'm struggling to remember this but I think it was about how like some people developed these really nice houses and they thought it would be a massive success and that lots of people would come and stay in the flats but somehow they didn't I think one of the things that they realized was um, the flats weren't necessarily like they were really nice and swish but the people who who were coming to view th these flats they were actually more like family oriented and they didn't necessarily want to live in these flats which looked like you know they were only suited for one or two people so I think one of the things that they tried to do was to make the flats appear more family friendly because they realized that their key customers were often families who kind of wanted their homes to have a sense of warmth and like be a suitable place for gathering. So I think one of the um, solutions that the housing agents came up with was to put like really big tables, round tables, when families came to view the flats. So they would associate like the idea of these really nice apartments with, you know, um, families congregating around a dinner table. And so in that way, the kind of key takeaway within that Harvard Business Review article was all about like understanding what your key or target customers want and trying to design solutions or solve their problems in a way and just always think about you know who are your target users like what pain points do they have and 
well, how can you make your product something that they would hire it for to solve a job that they have? Definitely. Yeah. I, I love the thought of these like real estate agents, like knowing who's coming next. And they like just reach into like a box in their car full of like mismatched baby shoes, <laughs> slinkies and dunkaroos. And they like salt bay it all over the house. And they're like, there, perfect <laughs> for a family. Like, but I mean, who, which buyer amongst us does not want a slinky and dunkaroos? To me, that's a win, win, win. I actually don't know what any of those things are. Oh, <laughs> North American uh, listeners, please feel free to call in. <laughs> Dunkaroos, like little cookies and icing. Amazing. I'll try Ooh. to like order some. Please. So we, can, we can all share some. You know, and you then... can get them probably from all these American candy shops and it'll probably cost you 20 quid whilst their money Money well you. spent. Yeah. yeah <laughs> nice. Yes. To help crime and get Dunkaroos. And yeah, Slinkies, like, you know those springs that just go downstairs? Like the ones which have weird, like, animal heads. And why are you thinking of cat In Toy Story, there is a representation of a Slinky that is like a dog as well. Yeah. Oh, I know it. Is it sometimes a rainbow? Yeah, like most of the times it is. Um, Happy Pride, by the way. Yay, Happy Pride. Nice. I I loved Slinkies growing up. Um, now I know what their names in English. I guess because I had no idea. Yeah. What are they called in Romanian? Um, I genuinely don't remember. No, I I'm sorry. I'll have to Google that <laughs> weirdly. Um, Yusin, did you have Slinkies in Singapore? Maybe in kindergarten. It was a really long time ago. I mean, like, who am I kidding? I am mid well. Mid to late 20s. I can't really remember what happened when I was five. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember them being quite fun to play with. Well, speaking of like jobs to be done, what's great about a slinky was how you could transport it, which is you could actually put it on as a bracelet. So I think that that would be a suitable job to be done in helping all the 90s revival kids out there who are now now adults, to be honest, uh, to kind of reinvent another job for the slinky. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they were really fun. I think you said when you were talking about that um, Harvard Business Review article, you reminded me about a really important point from the book. They were constantly reiterating exactly what you said, that often you kind of hire a product to do a job for you or hire, I don't know, a slinky to do a job for you. (laughs) And... A very, very kind of famous story, whenever you kind of hear about jobs to be done or talk about jobs to be done, you almost like it's impossible to miss this story. Uh, It's about the McDonald's shakes. Do you know that one? Mm. Yeah, I think I do. So let me know if this is the one you know as well, Lauren. And if I'm missing details, please fill, fill in. But it's basically... Uh, some marketeers in, I don't know, 70s or something like that. Don't quote me on the dates, please. Some marketeers came, no, actually, McDonald's went to speak to some marketeers and say, our milkshakes aren't selling very well. Can you kind of like assess it? And mm. taking the perspectives of jobs to be done, they realized that for milkshakes, their job was to basically keep people full in between like breakfast and lunch. So people mm. would kind of get them in the morning and would um, 
basically snuck on them in the car and they were much better than other things like protein bars or like Snickers that would kind of like melt in your hands or other types of breakfast that would kind of like crumble in your car. Uh, You could just kind of like slurp on them on the way to work. And that was basically the job that they were hired for, something like clean and filling until lunchtime. And based on that, they probably made some changes on how they marketed them and things like that. Although I did see in the actual Jobs to be Done book, there was kind of a disclaimer that not a lot, like it's not necessarily a super successful case study. Not They didn't change a whole lot. They didn't increase the sales of milkshakes a whole lot. But somehow the Jobs to be Done kind of concept has been attached to the story for a long time. Do you mean smoothies or milkshakes? I mean milkshakes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm yeah. just like judging the nutrition of these folks. <laughs> I I completely agree. I was like, how a is snack? How is that nutritional? Yeah, like how is that a, a yeah good breakfast? It's it's basically ice cream, right? It's it's basically liquid ice cream. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I I do like that idea of like the job to be done is that kind of grab and go and especially yeah like if you're if you're driving it's kind of a one-handed thing exactly yeah but i guess these days you can have a protein shake which is but you probably know you're on youtube a lot who's that guy jordan something i don't know he has a whole a whole youtube video about how like just u.s breakfast is too sugary oh yeah yeah i have seen that one what i thought you were talking about in terms of the milkshake was the fact that the the milkshake machines are always broken at McDonald's and that's because they have like one specialized company. He did that too. That fixes yeah. it and has a monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. That's Good the content. same. That's the same dude. There's a lot of milkshake content that brings the joy. boys to the yard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and joy to the yard. The most important thing to bring to the yard. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, no, that's a super interesting anecdote about McDonald's. I'll definitely keep that in mind the next time I go there and order a McFlurry or a milkshake. But yeah, just kind of going back to the book, you mentioned that it would help companies understand who their product's real competitors are rather than thinking of just, you know, like direct competitors within the same industry. And can you elaborate on some of the takeaways there for you? Yeah, so because... The whole like jobs to be done framework is all about finding the root cause, the root problem. It brings to the surface competitors that might do the job you want to do for your customers, but you might not have thought about. So I think this is actually from the book. But if you are thinking about a project management app, you might be thinking about uh, Jira or Basecamp or monday.com but and and that that would not be incorrect like those would be your direct competitors but for example for many companies it actually goes a little bit deeper where a lot of people wouldn't think that email would be a competitor but a lot of teams do use emails to communicate to get updates to track tasks or some some teams only use Slack. So for example, we don't use email, we don't use Jira, we don't use anything other than Slack. We just chat on Slack and kind of keep track of things in Google Docs. So 
a lot of companies that are in the project management space would necessarily think that Slack is their direct competitor. But for some teams, it is solving all of their jobs to be done. So it is. That's actually such a fascinating point because, yeah, I think that helps you. Well, the whole idea of jobs to be done is that it helps you think a bit broader and, you know, you kind of like really look beyond just what your direct competitors in the same industry are doing. And I think that also helps in a way because maybe if you identify that some of your competitors are companies that are solving like really similar pain points or the same pain points to what you're doing with your product, maybe when you come up with ideas, you know, it just helps you to look across industries and at what people are doing like from analogous industries, even if they're not directly in the same line of work that your company does. So I think that's a really good reminder to look more broadly and beyond what your direct competitors are doing as well. Yeah, 100%. There's there's a lot of lessons there to be taken on and maybe innovate in your own industry if you are looking at people solving that job differently in a, in a different industry. Definitely. From corgis to slinkies to Mackie D's. Thank you so much for sharing your pearls of wisdom from the book Jobs to be Done, Lavinia. I think we can all use this book as a resource to help us solve some of our purpose and problem-driven questions along the way and use it in our UX process day to day. And if you've got a question for us at Hotline Design, you can reach out to us at anchor.fm slash hotline design pod. You can reach out to us on Instagram at hotline design pod and Gmail hotline design pod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected. Please check the number and try your call again.